0: Today, I brought along this uh, as my object lesson. I just want to ask a question to the crowd, right? I want to do a social experiment. Who here... Don't don't raise up your hands because you want to raise up your hands, huh? You just be honest about it. Who here likes flowers? Wow, surprisingly, not a lot of people like flowers. (laughs) Okay, okay. Sorry, I just want to be sure. Who here don't really like flowers? Oh okay, okay. Hey, a lot of people never raise their hands say, What well, you're at the fence, is it? Like have Ken don't have never, right? Something like that, lah. Okay, okay, okay. I I asked that because uh I had a funny story, right? Uh basically there was one time where i d I'm somebody that don't really like flowers. My wife likes flowers a lot. I'm somebody that thinks that flowers are quite impractical. I love flowers if they are fake and they don't need to maintain. I just think that uh, if one day the flowers are going to die, then what's the point of buying flowers? But one day, I stepped out on my shelf. I went down to the market and I decided when I was buying Yong Tau Fu, I said, hey, actually the flower shop, huh? quite nice. Huh? So I, I picked a few flowers and I asked my uncle how much. Then of course I paid. And I was so proud of myself, you know, I was walking back and I was thinking, wow, my wife is going to be so proud of me, right? Buy flowers for her. When I was walking back, honestly, I saw some people glancing at me. I was like, hmm, something is wrong. But never mind, I brushed it off. Then I went back home, I, see, I told my wife, Mommy, you see, I bought flowers. And she's like, uh, this one is for the date people, you know, right? <laughs> no wonder people are looking at me. I was like having a good uh, smile on my face, thinking that I've done something good. But, you know, my wife was very nice. And my wife said, good try, good try. Why am I talking about flowers today? Uh, I want to entitle today's message as uh, "Bloom Where You Are Planted." Everybody say "Bloom Where You Are Planted." In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter seven, there is a call from God for us to bloom where we are planted. What that means is that there are times where a plant is planted in a, a, a soil that is not that good. Maybe it's hard soil. Maybe it's a soil that doesn't have a lot of sun. Uh, maybe there are circumstances in our life that may not be ideal where the plan is. And you can actually relate to the plan right now. Maybe the circumstances in your life right now might not be ideal. Perhaps sometimes we might be struggling and we might be feeling that, God, if only I can be at that place where I can serve you more effectively. If only my circumstances can change so that I can maybe serve you more effectively or I can be, I can be happier in life. But I think in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, later we're going to study, is that God wants us to find contentment and fulfilment in our circumstances. God wants us to bloom where we are planted. Amen. But, you know, I'm not here to paint a rosy picture. There are times where life can be very tough. Uh, there are things that we go through or you have gone through, which is very, very tough. And a lot of the times we can say that, you know, our circumstances have made us depressed. But today we're gonna to talk about in First Corinthians chapter seven what the Paul, Paul, Apostle Paul has done for us to 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 study that we need to trust in the hands of the Master Gardener. If the Master Gardener puts us in a place where he thinks it's best, chances are he wants us to bloom where we are planted. Chances are he wants us to not look at our circumstances, but really look at what we can do with our circumstances. And that's what we're going to study today. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 17-24 talks about, But as God has do- distributed to each one, as the Lord has caught each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone caught while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone caught while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Verse 19 says, Circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you are made free, rather use it. Verse 22. For he who call, he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he who is called while he is free is Christ's slave. You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men and last verse brethren let each one remain with god in that state in which he was caught amen can we pray jesus we just want to thank you god for the ministry of your word father i pray that you will bless the word oh god lord let it go forth and not return void let it Get planted in our hearts, O God, Lord, and bloom forth, O God, Lord, and bring forth seed right now, O God. Lord, I pray that you will bless your word. Bless, O God, Lord, us, O God, as we receive your word. Give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, and give us hands, O God, Lord, to practice what what you're going to teach us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen, amen. In verse 17, it says, But as God distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. In another translation, it says, You must accept whatever situation the Lord has put you in and continue as you were when God has first called you. This is the rule for all the churches. You see, this translation says you must accept whatever situation the law has put you in. You see, in Singapore, sometimes we prescribe to a certain mindset that if we are not prospering, If we are not a managerial status, if we are not bringing uh, big bucks back to our family, it means that we are not in the will of God. If we are doing something like uh, maybe uh, in a society deemed as not important, that's where we are not in the will of God. It almost seems like as long as we are prospering, we are actually in the will of God. I get this a lot of times. I get this, uh, this pressure, it, this invisible pressure from the workplace that you have to outperform, that you have to make sure that you are there. Then, uh, then I'm in the will of God. If we were to apply this situation or this mindset to what is happening in the third world country, chances are there is nobody that is in the will of God. They are all not in the will of God our brothers and sisters from Bangladesh or from India or from Filipino that is doing all those uh, work that the society might deem that is not important. They are not in the will of God. We know that this mindset is wrong and we want to correct it. If we apply into the Apostles' days, you know, in the Apostles' days, I I, I read uh, somewhere, uh, you know, in in the internet that 11 out of the 12 Apostles died for the gospel. If we were to think that uh, if uh, we are in the will of God because we are prospering, the 11 apostles are out of the will of God. They are out of the will of God because they, they died for the gospel. So, what, what I want to say is that in Singapore or maybe in uh, countries where we are very, uh, uh, I would say God has uh, given us a lot of uh, financial freedom, Consumer reason has led some people or many people to believe that something is required for us to be happy. And this kind of thinking can kind of bring forth or be carried over to other areas of our life. It can actually think that uh, uh, in order for us to be happy, I need to be this way. In order for me to truly be effective, I need to have an iPhone 13 Pro. In order for me to be truly happy in this life, I need to get married and have three children. Sometimes God puts us in circumstances because He wants us to bloom where we are planted. And there are a lot of times where we have a preconceived idea of what God needs to give to us. We are almost arguing with God and telling God, God, you need to do this A, B and C so that I can bloom in my circumstances, give me this, give me this, so that I can be effective. So, where does this lead us? It leads us to a greater dissatisfaction with life. Really, when I when I think about uh, this word called "if only," I I I sometimes find myself uh, saying this word: "If only I have this. If only I get this job." If only I have this house, if only I can serve in this ministry, if only I have more time. Every time when I caught myself talking about if only, you know what if only is? If only is not real. In, if only exists in a realm where it is if only And every time when we say, if only, we are putting us in a place where it's imaginary. And we are putting us in a place where we get so caught up by the heavenlies, I would say, like like imaginaries. And we fail to realise where are we in our circumstances. I do that sometimes as well. I'm not here to say that I'm perfect. There are times where I complain to my wife, if only I have this. But I realise that the more that I say, if only, the more that I cannot change my situation. The more that I say, I can, if only I can do this, if only I can do that, the more I'm disconnected with my current situation. A lot of times when we talk about if only, I remember about uh, uh, who's that? Joseph in the Bible. Joseph in the Bible had a lot of trials. You guys will agree with that, right? He was the favourite child. He was the child that was supposed to be blooming. In fact, the child was given a very nice robe by the father, signifying that he was on the road to bloom. He is going to be better than the rest of the children. The father deemed him as more important, more lovely. I know there are times where we as parents will do that as well, but I'm not here to say What parenting style? But I know that Joseph had an idea of where he's supposed to be. He was planted in good soil. He was in a situation that he thought it was perfect. But we know the story. Lo and behold, he was uh, cast into a pit by his brothers. I could just imagine the thoughts that are going through Joseph at times. I could just imagine that he is sometimes tempted to say, if only my brother didn't throw me to a pit. If only my brother didn't sow me to Egypt. If only Potiphar's wife didn't complain about me and throw me into prison. If only the butler remember me. If only, if only, if only. If, if only Joseph was stuck in that realm of only, he would not be the second man to Pharaoh. And sometimes we need to be careful to be stuck in the realm of if only. I talk about uh, some of the important words. Really this if only is also one of the most important words that you need to avoid. Because if only will will let us not bloom where we are planted because we are caught up in another situation. That brings us to my second point. When we always talk about if only, We are caught up into secondary situations, imaginary situations that don't bring contentment. In verse 18 and 19, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says, Was anyone caught while circumcised? Let him not be uncircumcised. Was anyone caught while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. You see, in Paul's time, circumcision was a big deal. It was a mark for a Jew to be said that you are our chosen people. It was a mark for them to say, you are Jew, you are not. As long as you are circumcised, you receive a blessing from God. I deem you as God's people. To be applicable to today... It means that when we the, the, the time when Jews are circumcised, they receive these blessings from God, they receive this peace. But in today's time, what I'm trying to say is that if we were to apply Paul's word, or whether are we circumcised or not circumcised, it doesn't matter. It means that peace is not found what we have or we don't have, or in our earthly possessions or our positions. Paul was saying, be satisfied with what you have. This earthly thing of circumcision won't bring you happiness. Whether are you circumcised or not, whether are you in a high position or a low position deemed by the society, whether are you doing a... a, What is your circumstances doesn't define your happiness. That is really what Paul is saying. He is saying that circumcision or uncircumcision is nothing. Because this earthly thing doesn't amount to anything to God. When we allow secondary situations to become our primary focus, we become an unhappy and unsatisfied person. We concentrate on things that are wrong. We mull over the the things that ought to be rather than focusing on the circumstances that are around us Rather than focusing on things that we can improve in our circumstances, this week I want to share a story. I concluded uh, my salary review in my company. So, for some of you that don't know, I'm actually the the money man. I'm the one that in uh, human resource that give money to people. I'm the one that kind of uh, tell the managers. I think this is too high. This is too low. This is high too so. So, end of the day, I can tell the other departments but I cannot tell my own department, right? So, I had a colleague. Uh, she, 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 of course, uh, was uh, quite disappointed during the salary review because uh, she found out about her increment and she was so disappointed, she was complaining to me. and She said, uh, Brian, can I call you? I need to talk to you. If I don't talk to you, I think I will suffocate. So, we had uh, like a one and a half hours, two hours call. And after that still messaging, uh, she was just complaining to me, how can I get this amount of increment? How can I have uh, all this uh, when I'm doing uh, A to Z and then I'm doing this to that? My managers don't see me. And then others get like 20-30% increment while I get this mini-peasy percentage. And she was complaining to me and complaining to me, uh, it was over a span of, I think, two, three days, actually. The first time when uh, she complained to me, actually, after I put down the phone, right, I didn't get as low as her, but I started to get affected. I was like, hey, yeah, why the person got 20%, 30% increment? Then what about me? Huh? And I started to think, wow. I started to call myself complaining to my wife. Then I stopped, stopped myself. I said, hey, actually, we're quite okay, right? Then my wife said, yeah la, you're okay lah. You don't come and complain ah. We, we got a lot of blessings from God already. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. But back to my, my, uh, my, my colleague. The second time she called me, she was uh, so negative. She, she said like, I'm not going to try anymore. You know, in this new year, I'm going to let those that have 20%, 30% increment do all the job. If they ask me to do this, I say I got no time. If they ask me to do that, I said, I got a uh, t- thousand and one things to do. I'm not going to do what I, what, what I want to do. And I realized that uh, sometimes when you are disappointed and you can, uh, you can be so disappointed that, uh, that you kind of do uh, uh, so, something like uh, drastic measures, right? I'm not saying that to negate what she's feeling. In fact, the advice that I gave to her is that I, I feel you. If I'm in your position, I'll be super disappointed. But I told her that, uh, please grieve over it. Please uh, be sad over it. But there's going to be a time where you need to move on from it. And when you move on from it, uh, look at your circumstances and make sure that uh, you you move away from this area of uh, being depressed, being the one to do anything to, to, to improve your situation. And she replied and she said, you know, Brian, I'm so glad I talked to you. I know what I'm thinking is wrong and uh, thank you for giving me space to, to, to express what I'm saying and uh, I am I, going to try harder when I reach a point where I, I can accept where, where my percentage is going to be <laughs> in my new year. Um, but, you know, what, what I'm trying to tell you this is understand your feelings, digest it, but don't stay there. If we stay there, we are in the realm of if only. If only I can get that 20%. If only I can get 30%. If I don't get it, I'm not going to try any harder. The worst mistake that we can make is that we made up in our mind that we are going to get stuck in this situation forever. There was a time where I planted a tomato tree. Uh, A plant. I remember one sermon, I give you all the tomato plant, right? So, uh, to lead by example, I went home to plant. There was a point of time where I complained to my wife. I said, Hey, this soil ah, got problem. Ah. This sunlight ah, got problem. Or this sea got problem. I water so much, I ah, cannot grow. Eh. But after like two weeks where I water and I put the sun and all that, it suddenly sprouts so fast until I, I got no time to buy all the chopsticks and all the, you know, tomato trees actually need to grow up. Then their stem is actually not very strong. So you kind of get, need to give support and all that. I had to scramble to find uh, support for the trees. For the first two weeks, I was disappointed with the tree. I wanted to give up. But you never know. You just never know when the tree will start to sprout out again. In the similar situation, I have seen people not getting disappointed, continue to strive, continue to do their best at work and six months later, they get a job that they want, they get the increment that they want. You see, change is the only constant and God is in charge of the change. If we are so narrow-minded to say that this is my situation, there is nothing that I can improve on, then we will never ever grow. But if we were to stay focused and say, where is the sunlight? Where is the good soil? Where is the water that I need? And continue to strive and continue to go towards and continue to grow. There is where God will prosper us. God wants us to bloom where we are planted. Not look at the situation and see if only. Back to Joseph's story. If Joseph had the same mentality of saying that Oh, my circumstances is not going to bring me to, to be prosperous. It's not going to bring me to be instrumental in God's kingdom. Chances are he is not going to. Chances are he's not going to share the prophecy to the butler. Chances are he's not going to be the best in Potiphar's house. Chances are if he had a mentality that he's not going to change any situation in his circumstance, then he's not going to be where he is in the Bible. But he didn't have that mentality. He said, if this is the situation that I'm going to be in, I'm going to grow. I'm going to strive. I'm going to do my best. And that's where he became instrumental in saving the entire tribe of Israel when they migrated to Egypt because of the drought. And I want to be like Joseph. I want to see not my circumstances, but I want to see God being the the great planter, the master gardener that He is able to grow in me every situation that He put inside of me. Can you say amen? Amen? These same principles apply when we are in the Kingdom of God. Focusing on things that appear to be wrong or not ideal will cause us to stand around and do nothing. There are a lot of things that we can change in the Kingdom of God. Trust me. When I come here, I can say, oh, there are things that I want to do. Being a clean freak, I want to pick up all the rubbish that is on the floor. Being something, uh, maybe even preaching like slight way, where you are seeing me slight way. Things can change, for sure. But you cannot negate the fact that you feel the presence of God just now during worship, just now when you are praying for the Ukraine. The presence of God is here every time when you reach out to. It doesn't matter what our circumstances is. I know of mothers having newborn child. I know that sometimes it's so hard for you to take care of children and feel the presence of God at the same time. But I know every time when you reach out, every time when you pray for the presence of God, God is going to meet you where you are. It is not the circumstances that will dictate whether you feel the presence of God or not. It is this place. This is the place where your heart will bloom. This is the place where God will grow. When your heart is aligned to where God wants you to be, there is where you will grow. Amen. So stop saying that I need more time. I need more money. I need more resources. I need more people. I need more whatever. Use what you already have. Moses had what he had. He only had a rod and he defeated the entire uh, kingdom of Egypt. So focusing on secondary situations can make us refuse to serve the Lord if we don't get the preferred position or desired circumstances. But be the best that you can be at your present assignment and stay there until God calls you elsewhere. I want to share an example of my father. Uh, I shared it yesterday when I was talking about, uh, when I was preaching about the, the place for you lesson three about authority. Uh, some of you might not know, my, blood, my, my father is a blue-collar worker. When I say a blue-collar worker, he is not somebody that is of a managerial position. He is not somebody that is impactful in the society where the society deems him. He is uh, somebody that uh, is a lorry driver and he brings uh, the, the, the cans of oil, his big uh, barrels of oil to, to, to uh, companies that need it in their machineries. So she's basic, he's basically a lorry driver cum, uh, delivery man. And that was his role before he was retrenched, I think about 20 plus years ago, when he was uh, a manager role. So from a manager role, he became a delivery and lorry person for, for 20 over years. There are times where I remember when I first started job, right, I asked him, Dad, you've been working for this job for so long. You, you never thought about changing your job. He said, no, I never he said, this job pays, pays me okay. I, I have the ability to uh, take care of you three children and mommy. Uh, so why do I need to change? And something about him is that he we stay in Amokyo. The job is at Tuas. Like right inside Tuas. If you know anything about Tuas, if you cycle there, when you reach Tuas, there is a Tuas north, there is a Tuas south. When you reach Tuas south, you are basically like like... Wilderness. I'm not kidding. It's really wilderness. There is only lorries and trucks and over there. And I told him, why don't you drive the lorry back home? There is like a lorry truck drive, uh, lorry car park over at our house there. He said, never mind. I don't want to get into trouble. I just park there. He is a very simple guy. He just want to get his wages done, uh, bring home the wages, feed his family. And I shared this yesterday that because of what he did, I actually had the ability to, to... not find job in uh, my school holidays, I always came to church to, um, to volunteer. Uh, those that are working in church at that time, you will know that I always come and sometimes I'll drive the, the speakers around uh, because I have a driving license. There are times where I think I got into an accident with Suwan's car also, right? And uh, because uh, Brother Anthony Megan was inside the car and and one barrier or one can drop eh, and then I was in the third lane, uh, the first lane and and then I banged the the barrier and then anyway, I was volunteering in church uh, during uh, my my school holidays and uh, a lot of uh, my peers were actually doing part-time and I so appreciate my father saying that, you know, it's okay, I think what you're doing is good, you just go ahead and do and I'll give you allowances So I was being paid by my dad to come to church to work and he's not even a Christian. And that's where I found Sharon also. (laughs) See? What I'm saying is that my father is not deemed by society as somebody that is very important. Maybe in his workplace, he didn't even blossom. But he for sure blossomed in my heart. He for sure is the best father I ever had. He's somebody that has a few words. I always call him, I say, "That uh, uh, you eat? have you eaten? I mean, in Chinese, uh, that's how we greet our parents. Have you eaten? He said, uh, yeah, eaten already. He said, you want to talk to Mama? I said, no, no, I want to talk to you. Have you eaten? What are you doing? Are you feeling better already or not? So he's a man of few words. But at the same time, I'm so appreciative of he doing the things that he do, that he maximises his talent. His talent is to provide for his family. And because of that, we have three boys, three naughty boys coming up. I wouldn't say that I'm super well behaved. There are times I'm still naughty. But I'm so appreciative of my father. And you can be like that also. Sometimes you are thinking, hey, my work is so boring. But maybe you are not blossomed in, in your work, but you are blossoming in other people's heart. Do your best no matter what and you will never know the impact that you have in other people's life. Talk about FJF Sisters. Being the best housekeepers. And how many souls did they save? I was just talking to Su Chi. Su Chi came to church because of her helper. Her helper was cleaning her house, being in the household for like, what, 20 over years. And she was sharing the gospel to Su Chi. Su Chi came to church. Because somebody decided to do her best at work, she found where she's at. She blossomed at where she's at. And she saved people. The story of the talent tells me that when you are given one talent and you multiply the talent, you will be given one more talent. If you are given two talents, you will be given two talents when you use your talent. The word is use. If you don't use it, you will be like the evil servant hiding underneath and when the master come back, you will say, if only my circumstances change. If only my master is not the evil one. But those that focus on the talent and they use it, they know that the Master is going to give them even more talents. And I'm going to use my talent. I'm going to maximize my skill sets of what has been given to me. Because when I do that, I will receive more. Point number three, keeping God's commands brings contentment. In verse 19 to 20, it says, But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain the same calling in which he was called. In the New Living Translation, says, The important thing is to keep God's commandments. You should continue on as you were when God called you. There is an expression that says, Keep the main thing, the main thing. So what is the main thing that believers must keep? as the central focus of their life. And I submit to you, it is to keep God's commandment and to live one's life pleasing to the Lord. There are so many things that we want to focus on, but if there's one thing that we want to focus on, focus on God's commandment. Because when we obey God, He will take care of the rest. I want to share with you a myth that I found in my short uh, working uh, life or 35 years of my life. The myth is that I am going to find a perfect job that I am going to enjoy 100%. That is a myth. Everybody say a myth. There is no job that you will find that you will enjoy 100%. If you find it, let me know. I will apply for it and I will join you. There is always gonna be at least 20% of I call this a boo factor in every job that exists. Amen? Everybody agree? Confirm, huh? Ah? <laughs> if you are a stay home mom, that percentage increased from twenty to fifty. <laughs> Nobody likes changing typos. Nobody likes a whiny kid. Nobody likes a kid when he's crying and he's not telling you what he wants. It's like my last kid now. Yesterday, wow, I keep crying. Eh. I say, What he want? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like putting the plus in my mind. My wife cannot take it. My wife said, You won't handle. Uh, then I always say, uh, Oh, I have He liars. Oh, then he hates it. He hates it when I do that. So, what I'm saying is uh, if you're a stay home mom, 50%. Sometimes go to 80 Sometimes 90%. But there are times where I caught my wife. Uh, lying down on the bed, staring at my youngest child. Like, he, he's the paupe, you know, he's the darling of the family. We are trying to transit my youngest child to the other side, which is his original bed. There are times where he slept there because he wants to sleep with Coco and姐姐. Yeah, I'm like, wow, finally I got my bed to myself, me and my wife only on the bed. Then she's like, something is missing. I don't feel right. Can we bring Celti back? I said no, he's gonna stay there. <laughs> right. So I'm saying that there are gonna be times where your job has a boo factor. But what continues, what causes us to continue is the rest of the factor that causes us to say, hey, actually I'm not that bad. There's joy in my job. There's a a salary that I take home, that I can use it for for God's kingdom, I can use it for other things. Look at the bright side. This is what I call looking for cracks. Everybody say looking for cracks. Looking for cracks is finding good in every situation. Because trees, in order to have sun, in order to have light, they look for the presence of light, even though there is just one small crack if you can show the picture of the bean sprout. This bean sprout is a powerful plant. Why I say that? Because uh, Judith was given a, a bean sprout uh, plant uh, as a science experiment during her, uh, her birthday. And something about bean sprout, right, is that when she starts to water, there's nothing that starts. Uh, but I realised that the bean sprout gets attracted to where the light is. No matter how small the light is, the bean sprout will grow. So if you put a bean sprout beside a window, the bean sprout chances are it will grow out of the window because that's where the light is coming in from. You see, a bean sprout is very focused on where, what they need to do. They need to find water and the roots will take care of it. They need to find sunlight. The stem will find and reach out to the nearest light source. If only we can be like a bean sprout. If only we can be like a plant. We have two things that we need to do in this life. To obey God and to make disciples. As simple as that. If I were to make it as simple as that, point number three it talks about that we need to obey God's commandment. Let the main thing be the main thing. We just need to obey God and make disciples. We are called to serve God and be obedient to Him right where we are in our current job, in our current city, in our present financial situation, in our present social status or wherever we currently find ourselves. And in order for us to do so, we need to find the cracks. We need to find good in every situation because it is that small good that will motivate us. It is that small sunlight that the bean sprout is going to reach out to. And it is that small spark of God's mercy and grace that we find in our life that will say, God, I'm not going to give up yet. I'm going to continue to obey you. I'm going to continue to be a care group leader. I'm going to continue to serve in the ministry. I'm going to continue to make disciples. Point number four, physical freedom does not bring contentment. In verse 21 to 23, it says, Were you caught while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is caught in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he who is caught while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. You see, Paul is saying that even if we should find ourselves as one of the worst possible situations, we can and we should still serve God. You see, a lot of us don't know what is slavery, right? In Singapore, we don't have such thing as slavery. Uh, there are parts of the world that might still have slavery. But Paul is saying that even if your circumstances is undesirable, it doesn't stop you from blooming. This week, We went to MacRitchie for a hike. Joanne said, "Oh, it's only 2.5 km. Let's go to the Treetop Walk." And we (laughs) went there. (laughs) It was like, wow, it was crazy to uh, have—I think we had a total of six kids and three adults—and we were navigating through the whole MacRitchie Trail. We never imagined that it would be so tough. I mean, if it's just adults, it's fine, right? But we were having kids. And, and, and the, the, the whole floor was very wet because it was raining the night before. And uh, some of you might not know, Marichi is uh, home to wild balls and aggressive monkeys. Monkeys were so aggressive. There was one time when we had a pit stop, right? Then uh, Weta had food coming out of... Uh, we were just eating food. Then the monkeys started to come. One monkey come. Eh? Then Waita was uh, putting his uh, food at the back of his hand. Then... Uh, he was trying to wave away the monkey. Then suddenly, he dropped the food. You know what happened? He's like panicking. He took the food and then he threw it out. Then the monkey looked at Weta like, what are you doing? Uh? Is that food for me? Then he was, the monkey was staring at him. He was staring at the monkey, don't know what to do. But it was fun. La. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, we went back home. We were like, Wait, uh, Joanne, nice try. La. 2.5 click. It was more like 5 click. But, in the midst of the, the, the monkeys and the, the hikes and, and uh, going through up and down the rivers and stuff like that, there are some pictures that I wanted to show you all. I took some nice photos of uh, flowers booming. There were also uh, trees that were very special. And I saw uh, wild mushrooms like at the side of uh, the tree that was actually rotten and I took photos of it. My photography f- skill, quite good, huh? right? Yeah, see what you can do with iPro- iPhone 13 Pro, right? Max. Um, so here are some of the extraordinary flowers that are in the harshest condition, I would say. The conditions are not as good as if you plant it in your house. You cannot water it every time. The soil might not be the best of the best. But even plants know how to thrive in the harshest condition, let alone men, let alone us who are called by God to be the best that we can in our job places. If nature itself can tell us that they can bloom where they are planted, how much more that we as a people of God to bloom where we are in our circumstances. Paul is telling us that we don't need to be slaves or prisoners to our trial, but we can bloom where we are planted. I know there are times where you are going through unthinkable situations. I'm not here to say that your situations are not tough, I'm not here to belittle your situations. I'm here to say that God is in control. If you were to give your circumstances to God, if you were to give all your lem- lemons to God, if you were to give all your stuff to God, you know, sometimes I think about Christina and her husband Joseph. There are times where I cry out to God, God, you say in your word, that if we trust in you, you will take care of us. And I, I give all this to God and sometimes our situations doesn't change. But so does the plants, the mushrooms that we see. There are times where we are in the harshest conditions, but I want to look for the crack. I want to look for the sunlight. I want to see the good in the bad. And I want to bloom where God wants me to be planted. I want to share with you a, little, a story. There was a little girl that was walking in the garden and he, she noticed a very pretty flower in the midst of a very uh, dirty soil. And what she did was she plucked out the flower and she went home and she washed the roots. And when she went to plant the flower in nice soil again. One week later, the flower died and the gardener came to the little girl and said, have you seen my flower? The little girl said, yes, I brought it home because it was in a place where it was undesirable. I just thought that it's not pretty for the flower to be there. But the gardener said, I put it there. Because that was the best soil. Even though the soil might not look nice, it was the best place for the flower to grow. And you transporting it to a place killed the flower instead. There are times in our lives where we think our circumstances need to change. But could it be that God puts us in that circumstances for us to grow to a pretty flower? For us to grow even more? And all we think about is that, yeah, why don't I change my place? Why do I go this place? Why don't I have a change of job? Why don't I have a family? But God is still in control. Stop murmuring because of the circumstances into which God has sovereignly placed over us. And bring us to a place where I think we need to move from a place of complaintment be in a place of complaint, be in a place of lamenting to God. But there will be a time where we need to move from complaint to content. And when you start to move from complaint to content, that is where, trust me, you will start blooming. We may be in the middle of some pretty ugly circumstances. But remember, however, that all those bad things are it is the dirt that becomes the fertile soil in which God wants us to grow and blossom. The last point for today, bloom where you are planted. In verse 24, it says, Brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which He was caught. In the New Living Translation, it says, So dear brothers and sisters, whatever situation you were in, when you become a believer. Stay there in your new relationship with God. Paul left us one last reminder to bloom where we are planted. And he emphasised that the Lord called us to the place where we currently find ourselves. You see, God didn't cause the trials that we are going through. But He allows it to happen either as a test or as a result of our sin. Back to the, the, the story of my holidays where I went to Gardens by the Bay. You see, God had a grand picture, right? Uh, he knows that I'm supposed to preach this week about plants and flowers. Then He brought me to Merichi and He brought me to Gardens by the Bay this week. I went to Gardens by the Bay and I saw olive trees. And olive trees, if unkept, you know what olive trees will be? It will be like a very messy bush. Very, very messy. And it's very hard to pluck the olive trees, uh, the, the fruits, if it is left very messy. So what the farmers actually need to do is to prune it very regularly. Prune it in a way that they can actually use this shaft to gently brush the branch and all the olive uh, fruit will come detached from the tree branch. Sometimes we don't like pruning. But trust me, right now in Israel, in Jerusalem, where there are olive trees. Farmers are pruning the trees because it makes it so easy for them to take out the fruit. There could be times where God is pruning you and you'll be thinking, God, why is this so painful here? Why is it so painful there? Why? Because it is easy for people to access your fruits. It is easy for God to come and say, Hey, you are hungry. This person has fruits. Let him feed you. You will never know the pruning that you have in your life. God can use it to turn around and impact somebody that is going through the same situation. Don't let your trial go to waste. Don't pray that God remove me in my trial. Perhaps you need to pray, God, what do you want me to do in my situation? so that I can benefit somebody, so that I can bless somebody. We need to move from complaint to content. And when you move from content, you will move to a place that you will become a blessing to others. Complain to content and to be blessing. Let's stand. I'm done. Bloom where you are planted. Everybody say, bloom where you are planted. Bloom where you are planted planted is actually from a poem that is very famous. I want to read the poem to you. It says, bloom where you are planted. It is what the Lord says too. When He transplant His children dear, and they are forced to start anew, bloom where you are planted, though it may be dark or bright. Some blossoms give their fragrance best in the darkest hours of night. Bloom where you're planted. Be strong, not be afraid. The trees may grow and the sun may beat and your spirit droop and fade. Bloom where you're planted. You will withstand the strain. God's lives within will guarantee that His plants will remain sharing with you a last story of today it is called A Tale of Two Oak Trees Uh, you can show the picture actually this is a picture of an oak tree and I want to tell you a story of two oak trees one oak tree was planted at the left side of the fence the other oak tree was planted at the right side of the fence the left side of the fence the oak tree started to grow and they were having the same soil and the same sunlight But the other side of the fence, the oak tree started to look at the other side of the fence and saw the oak tree growing. And he said to himself, perhaps it is because the soil at the other side is better and the sunlight at the other side is better. I shall grow my tree branches to the other side. So the oak tree started to grow closer to the other oak tree. But the other oak tree started to continue to grow. And he said, I want to stay focused, I want to grow tall. My sun is up, my soil is below me, there are waters. And the, grow, the, the, the oak tree started to grow tall and, and stout. The other oak tree started to see, wow, the oak tree grows so big already. It must be that the circumstances over there is better. Let me stretch even more to go to that side. The sunlight is better. The sun is better. The the ground is better. The water streams are there. And he grew more. And he started to stretch even more. And lo and behold, one day, the oak tree that grew sideways died because he was spending so much effort trying to grow sideways that he failed to realise that the sun is up and his soil is below him. Today, I want to be that oak tree that focuses on God and the people that is around me. I want to be the oak tree that focuses not on my circumstances but on God who is the great provider. I don't want to be like the oak tree that says that if only I can reach to the other side, if only, if only I can do this and do that, if only my circumstances can change. If you today want to be that oak tree that grows taller, and grow higher and trust in God because He is the one that puts you in the circumstances. Why don't you just begin to raise up your hands and begin to give God every of your circumstances. Tell Him everything that you you dislike about, that you you didn't think that your circumstances is, is okay. It's okay to give it to Him because He understands it. And why don't you begin to give God all of this and begin to tell him, God, my circumstances is not looking good. But Lord, you are that great master. You are that great gardener. And today we acknowledge you. That's it. Come on. Why don't we lift our voice right now and today acknowledge Him that He is our great gardener. He is the one that plants us. He is the one that plants us in the garden, in a specific place, in a specific job, in a specific family, in a specific situation. And who am I to say that I'm not supposed to be there because He is a great gardener? Today, God, I give you my circumstances, O God. God, God, I give you my expectation O oh God God I give you oh God Lord my expectation God I give you oh God Lord my circumstances I pray right now oh God Lord that you will change oh God Lord my thinking O oh God today O oh God iromo Lord, I acknowledge that you are my great gardener, oh God. Lord, you plant me, Oga, oh God, Lord, in this place, Oga, oh God, so that I can bloom, oh God. You plant me in this place, Oga, oh God, Lord, not because you want me to die. But Lord, you want me to bloom, O oh God. In this perfect place, O oh God, Lord, that my mind cannot comprehend, O oh God. Maybe my mind thinks that I'm not in a perfect place, but Lord, you know it best, O oh God. You are Alpha, you are Omega, you are first, you are last. You see the end from the beginning, O oh God. You know the end before I came to the end, O oh God. You are that great God that knows everything that is going to happen in my life, O oh God. And Lord, today, O oh God, I say I'll trust in you, O God. I trust in the great gardener, O God. I trust you in, with my life. I trust you with my job. I trust you with my circumstances. I trust you, O God, Lord, with my life, oh God. I trust you, O God, in every step of the way, O God. In the name of Jesus, O God. Lord, I trust you, O God. I trust you as my great gardener. I trust you as my great shepherd, O God. The shepherd, oh God, that leads me to still waters, O God. The shepherd, O God, Lord. Lord, that gives me everything, O oh God, so that I will not want, O oh God. The shepherd, O oh God, that loves me, O oh God. The shepherd, O oh God, Lord, that brings me, O oh God, to still waters, that brings me joy, O oh God, that, that, that is able to prepare, O oh God, a table, O oh God, in front of my enemies, O oh God. Jesus, Thank you, Jesus. We trust you, O God, as our great gardener, O God. Come on, in your own ways, why don't you just begin to settle with God right now? As the music plays at a soft side, why don't you just begin to pray in your own way and tell God, God, I'm going to settle in my heart that the circumstances will not detect me. But God, you are the great gardener. He can do rabasanti or rokondoro basantiara. Basantiara. He Lord, we love you, O oh God. Today we acknowledge you, O oh God. We acknowledge that our circumstances will not make us, O oh God, but it is you, O oh God. He can do rabasanti or rokondoro basantiara. Ii kanda raba santi oro kondo raba santi araba santi oro kondo raba. Ii raba santi oro raba raba santi oro kondo raba santi araba kanda Jesus, we look to you right now, O God. We look to you, O God, Lord, as the author and the finisher of our faith, o God. We look to you, O God, Lord, as the God who sees the beginning from the end, O God. Lord, you see us, O God. And I claim your word over everyone that is under the sound of my voice, O God. That you who begin a good work, you will complete it, O God. Come on. Come on, why don't we just begin to let our voice out right now? If there's a certain situation that you want to lament to God, this is your opportunity right now. Why don't you just begin to lament to God right now in your own way? If you want to sit, if you want to stand, if you want to kneel, tell God, God, I don't want to miss a moment to tell you what I'm feeling, but Lord, move me from a place of complaint to content. Move me, O God, Lord, to see, O God, Lord, that my circumstances does not dictate, O God Lord what I can be in God Yes, yes Yes, yes Come on, that's it, that's it. I feel some of you are moving from a place of complaint to content right now. Come on, why don't you just let your voice out and begin to give gratitude to God right now. I know that you are thankful for God in your life. Come on, why don't you just begin to lift your voice up and begin to give Him praise, begin to give to give Him honor, give him, to give him praise right now. Oh Lord, You are so good, oh God. God, You are a great gardener, oh God. That's it. Live your praise up to Him. Hallelujah! That's it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, you're good, God. You are so good, Lord. Despite our circumstances, Lord, I see you in the midst of my trial, oh God. I see you in the midst of the fire, O oh God. Hallelujah. There is a fourth person in the midst of the fire, and you are here with me, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's give God praise all over this place, and let's thank Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? How many are thankful for the ministry of God's word? Amen. I'm just a messenger, but He's the great gardener. He's the great shepherd. Amen. Why don't you turn to someone and say, I'm so glad that I can blossom where I'm planted. Praise God. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. Praise God.